Father in heaven, we thank you for this day who you've made it for rejoicing and gladness. And we're thankful that you don't make any days for anything but that. That's so wonderful. Father, forgive us if we missed it in the past. We missed so many days that could have been good (laughs) because we didn't connect with you. But we're connected now. And we thank you, Lord, for that. And we will take advantage of each day rejoicing, glad, and and, in in praise and thanksgiving unto you, our Savior, our Lord, and our King, our friend, the blessing that is within us. We thank you for it, all of it, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen. Well, yesterday we started talking about the fact that Jesus took the curse for us. Amen. He took the curse for you. There is no curse on this covenant that we are in. Anytime, anybody who's in covenant with God now, if you're born again, you are in the new covenant. It is curse proof. God doesn't have a curse on it, and man can't put one on you. Amen. You can't even believe yourself out of the blessing of God. Amen. It's impossible. There's no curse around anymore. And so I know many people preach that, you know, you're cursed if you don't do this. So come on now, tell them to get with the new covenant. They don't know what you're in. You're in different something. If they believe in it, just, you know, help them, Lord. Please help them, but uh, that's not for you. People who are of faith, uh, we are blessed with faithful Abraham. And so we need to understand what that means, explore what that means. So I thought also today I would talk about the benefits of righteousness because this is what this covenant has purchased for us. If you're not under the curse, you're under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which is a righteousness covenant. Amen. It operates on righteousness. It operates on your right standing with God so that you can understand that there's no stopping in your progress. There's no stopping your blessings. You're in an unlimited uh, covenant. And in your because of righteousness, it's that's the whole thing that was missing from man's life from the time that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden until uh, until even now. You know what's missing in people's lives is righteousness and understanding of the limitations that sin puts on a person's life, and understand that all of the things, the good things that we desire in life are limited because of this sin problem. But it's not a problem anymore because Jesus did away with it by his work on the cross. But it's up to us to maintain this righteous life before God so that we can really come into this blessed uh, lifestyle and this blessed understanding of unlimited blessings, of unlimited uh, treasure of unlimited goodness of un- unlimited good things so that we're not making allowance for bad stuff all the time and we're not expecting bad things we're not expecting trouble we're not expecting uh things righteous people always expect goodness they expect what god promises You know, we know we'll have trouble. You're going to run into that. But God said, be of good cheer. As quick as you run into it, you can come out of it. Amen? Because he's overcome the world for us. So this isn't a a place for doubting, mourning, wondering, uh, 
you know, any of that. There's the benefits of righteousness are are very, very great and very, very many. So um, we're going to talk about that because I think that's something that's worth talking about. It certainly, I think, is worth it. You know what I'm saying? This is what it's all about. That's what this life is about. That's why we go through what we go through. It's not in the natural aspect of things, a quote-unquote easy life, you know, but it sure is a lot better than what we had, and the benefits are better, amen? If we learn how to live in the benefits and not in the fear and the doubt and all that kind of stuff, then we'll we'll be much better people. So so I thought we would start with, um, uh, thank you, when we were talking about yesterday, we left off talking about healing specifically. Amen. So in First Peter two twenty four, go there real quick. Peter trying to hide from me today. <laughs> it says, "Who his own self." Bore our sins in his own body. Jesus did this himself. Nobody but him. Amen. <clears throat> Who his own self. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, first Peter 224. I was saying second Peter. First Peter 2. Jesus himself, himself took our infirmities, took it on his own body. Amen. And 224, it says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we now are dead to sins, are living unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So Jesus took on his body the sin and punishment that our bodies should take, but we don't take them. We don't take them. That's been paid for. We're not living in a double jeopardy lifestyle where we got to pay for something Jesus already paid for. It's been paid for once. He does a total work, a perfect work, complete work. We don't have to pay for anything anymore. We just got to believe it's paid for. Amen. Now, that's a challenge in itself sometimes for people because our minds are usually so fraught with guilt. And, you know, uh, lack and misgiving and all that. But, and you gotta pay a price to come out of that mindset. You gotta renew your mind to the Word of God. You've gotta live totally in that realm where righteous people live. Righteous people live with God. We have the thoughts of God. We have the expectations of God. We have the, the, the mentality of God. And that's all we ever respond to. That's all your spirit can respond to is the word of God and the thoughts of God. So we don't have this mentality of I can never get it or I can never do it. It won't happen for me and all that kind of stuff. You have a right to leave that behind and pick up a new mindset. It's a decision that we make on our own. Nobody nobody forces you to do this. And nobody forces you to live a, a life of lack and low expectation. You know, there are sinners out there, people who live just mainly for the world and for themselves, who think more highly sometimes than we believers think. When we can think thoughts of righteousness, that means we have right standing with God at all times. It never stops. Amen. 
we stop it because of doubt. We stop it because of fear. We stop it because of all kinds of things. But it's a continual righteousness. Why? Because Jesus' blood is forever eternal, uh, uh, always active on our behalf, always speaking to us better things, always encouraging us with the things of God. Amen. Don't ever think of, of, you know, if you need God to heal your body, don't think it's going to take a long time. That's the first thing the devil tells you. Devil, I don't care. I got eternity with him. You know, you, you don't scare me with time. You got me? Say it if you don't believe it. Amen. Tell him if you don't tell yourself. But we need to get out of this, this mentality of, of putting times on things and putting dates on things and putting hours on things. And if it doesn't happen by a certain time, we're going to do this, that, and the other. You ain't going to do nothing. You're going to be right here trying to figure out how to believe God for your next blessing, just like everybody. If you got any sense, you will. Amen. And so as far as healing is concerned, we were healed already by his stripes. That's why we can confess that we're healed even though we've been given a diagnosis, even though you got symptoms in your body, you're still healed. The next step is righteous people expect it to come to pass. And see, that's a lot of times where we fall down on the job. Amen. We get a righteous thought, one righteous thought, and we don't couple it with another one so that we can carry it all the way through to the manifestation. That's the difference between us and the woman with the issue of blood. She thought, she plotted all the way to the receiving of her healing. Plotted every step of the way. And many times we as believers don't plot that way. We'll say, I'm healed. And that's as far as it goes. There's no expectation. There's no, uh, and we can even be absorbing the word on a regular basis. But we don't let that word progress to the place where we believe it will come to pass right then, right away, right now. Why should we put it off for later? Why should we keep allowing the enemy to not let us put a now expectation on what we already have? See, we have it already. We should expect it now. Well, suppose it don't come now. Suppose it does, little Mr. Doubter. Huh? Would that mess your mind up too much? Would that spoil too many of your plans to just live in doubt all the time or live in, in you know, lack of manifestation? It's got to happen sometime. Why not now? Amen? What are we waiting on? Amen? I would say that sometimes God would tell me that, you know, I, I, I have money that, that my late husband and I saved and invested and, you know, it's still invested. And so I would think, so I said, Lord, I should, I should, I want, think I want to have something, you know, like, well, I don't want to touch that money. He said, why not touch it? When are you going to touch it? He said, when you get here, you ain't going to need it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's get with it, folks. Let's get to, you know, with the now expectation. Amen. He said, you think that little money is going to go somewhere? I can grow that quicker than you can spend it. I said, oh, God, don't tell me that. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? We put too many things off 
we say we're believing for the now, but we're actually a sweet by and by is always in the back of the mind of every believer. You know what I'm saying? We can put stuff off forever. And really part of it is that we do live by faith. And faith gives you a sense of contentment. It gives you a sense of accomplishment. It gives you a sense of everything, all's well. Amen. And sometimes you forget, oh, yeah, you know what? I was believing God to get me off these blood pressure pills and I'm still taking them. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to incorporate that expectation. All I'm saying is you got to make a little more effort, and I do too, on the expectation end of our covenant. Amen. We've got to. And so um, we're going to talk about Abraham and his faith and our inheritance in his faith, because I think that's that's probably where we need to to go. Amen. The Bible says we who are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. We're blessed with him. So what that means is that we have his abilities as far as blessing is concerned, we have inherited that already. Abraham's main inheritance was righteousness. See, that was the main thing. That was the center of, of what he, his relationship with God, how he was able to receive the things that he had is, is, is that concept of righteousness which we look over we step on it we want to say confessing the word is more important than our state of right standing with god and it's really not if you're confessing the word over a doubtful mind or you're confessing the word over uh habitual sin that we have to keep wishing away and thinking we don't it doesn't count and all that kind of stuff it's not going to help us your confession of the word has to be a righteous confession you gotta believe everything about that word is gonna to come to pass in your life, or it's gonna have, you're gonna have a hard time working with it. Amen? You're gonna have a hard time working with it. So Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, why don't we go there first? You need to understand that righteousness came before the law. Amen? I know we don't live the Ten Commandments and we feel we don't live it, but, you know, we have a law built into our little carnal minds that wants to tell us how to, how to live, how to do this, how to do that. And, and God is still working. The, the work of righteousness is still working with us to make the law the background noise in our lives and not the front piece in our thinking. You understand it's got to come in somewhere in the background where what comes to the foreground is the law that God has written in our hearts. That's what we live by. See, righteous people trust what God put in our hearts. And we tend to we we are our goal is to increase that righteousness in there based on what the word that we put in our hearts. And so really our job as believers is to live out of that law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's a living word that's in us. It's an active word. It's the one that wakes you up in the morning and tells you what to do with your day. That's what you live out of. You don't live out of these old do's and don'ts. Should I do this? Should I do that? What's in your heart to do? And see, if we're righteous people, we trust what's in our hearts. 
Even though we make mistakes, we still go back. Well, what's in my heart to do? What did God tell me to do? What's the last right thing I did for God? You understand? Well, before I got all bungled up in, I don't confess enough. I don't do this enough. Before you got all bungled up in that, what were you doing that you felt peace with God about? See, that's how we should live. We live out of that righteousness. That's what Abraham lived out of. Because there was no law when Abraham came in a relationship with God. There was no law when Noah. None of the patriarchs had the Ten Commandments. They had a life with God. And they trusted the leading of God. They trusted that God would speak to them when they needed direction. We, this is the same life we're supposed to be living now. But we tend to want to go back to the law. When we don't know what else to do. We just fall back on that. And we never could do it right. We still can't do it right. We fall back on it anyway. Try to do it. And then God slaps us around and say, will you get to believe in me again? And get peace about where you're at with me? See, we're justified. By the blood of Jesus. That blood keeps us no matter what happens. Amen. It's beyond our weaknesses. It's beyond our failures. It's beyond anything. You can't do enough messing up to mess up what Jesus did at the cross. That thief that was was on the cross with him. He didn't have the law. He didn't have doctrine. He didn't have the Ten Commandments. He did, but he showed up in heaven the same day Jesus did. Huh? How did he get there? He had permission by the by the owner. Jesus told him he was going. He went. Amen. Wasn't you do what you what the uh, what the Word of God tells you to get in? You get in. Amen. It doesn't matter what you did in the past. It doesn't matter about your crazy doctrine. I say that's a good time to get people in before they get messed up with a lot of crazy nonsense and doctrine and stuff they think they believe in. And, you know, all these names of God from the Old Testament, you can't even explain them or, or pronounce them, but you think that's a big thing you got now somehow. You understand me? All these distractions. And they're distractions from righteous living before God. Amen. So Genesis 15 and verse 6. We'll start in verse uh, 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came. What what does God speak to your heart? What's the word of the Lord that comes to you? And he spoke to him in a vision. Saying, fear not, Abraham. I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing as I go childless, now this is where we get to the nitty gritty. This is where the rubber meets the road. Lord, how am I going to know that this is you talking to me and you going to do what you say you going to do for me? Amen. And when he says, he says, this, this man that's in my house, he's a steward of my house. I don't have any children. And Abram, and Abram said, behold, to me you have given no seed and lo, one born in my house is my heir. Now this ain't what you told me, God. How many times we've been there? How many times have we been bold enough to say, God, this is not what your word says I'm supposed to have. Now, something ain't right here. Amen. No, what you know what we do? We get all polite. We go to brother so-and-so's 10 steps to get what you need from God. Remember the old days you begged God for everything. You talked to him all the time. You got your stuff and you kept moving. Those days are back. 
get off your crazy doctrine and your crazy list and go to slobbering, begging, snorting, and crying like you used to do. Amen? (laughs) And touch God's heart and let him bring you out of your nonsense. And he says, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, this shall not be your heir. Finally got an answer from God. And Abraham goes, I thought not. I thought that was you I heard talking to me the first time. Amen. God reiterates the promise. He's saving Abraham from fainting and quitting and giving up. That's God's job to do that, folks. That ain't your job. You don't have enough of whatever it takes in you to keep yourself from falling apart if what you see is not adding up in your mind. You just don't have it. And thank God God's willing to do it for us. He's not stingy on helping us. And he says here, but one brought from your own bowels or your own body shall be your heir. And he brought forth him forth abroad and said, now look toward heaven and tell the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, so shall your seed be. In other words, Abraham, I'm not just giving you one, but I'm going to double down on what you think I'm cheap. You think I can't do this? I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you so many you won't be able to count them, Abraham. In other words, if it was hard for you to believe for one, now I'm really going to mess your head up. You're going to have to believe for two millions, millions, millions. Amen. So don't go to God asking him to to lower the, the stakes in your faith or decrease what you got to believe for. You keep going to him. He'll really tell you what he's got in store for you. Now mess your head up so much you don't have nothing left to do but believe him or be a little nerve sitting in the corner scared. But you're going to have to make a decision. Do I believe God or don't I believe God? And that's what he wants us to believe him. No matter how great, no matter how small, no matter how easily it seems to be attainable or how hard. He wants us to believe him like Abraham did. And he said, and and Abraham believed God. I guess he said, well, man, if you put it like that, I guess I got to believe you. Amen. I can't do it myself, so I got to trust you to do it. So this is where Abram trades his faith in for God's faith. He puts it all over in God. And he says this was counted to him for righteousness. Amen. And God reiterates, I'm the one same God that spoke to you when you were over there before you came out of that country you lived in. I'm the same God. I spoke this to you before and I'm still going to do it. Amen. If we're looking for God to change his mind to make what we are believing him for small enough so that we can do it, you're talking to the wrong God. He's not going to lessen what he told you he's going to do for you to make it easier for you to believe. You're either going to have to believe him or not. And he expects somebody now because we're capable of doing it. We have Abraham's faith. This is our inheritance. It's not your faith anymore. This faith is beyond you. It gets to snowballing and rolling and the only thing you can do is hang on for the ride. You got me? And that's the way God likes it. He didn't like his kids bossing him around and trying to tell him what to do according to brother so-and-so steps for success. Amen. Cut it out. 
You got the law in your heart. You got him living in your heart. You got power inside of you to make these things come to pass. You got power on your words to begin to decree a thing and you can have it. There's people out here that died of COVID. Nobody in here got it. Everybody's healed. You know how that little decree we do, we halfway believe it, halfway do believe it. Sometimes we feeling good about it. Sometimes we go home and doubt. You know, you go home and see if your breathing is normal, if your heart is normal, all that stuff. But in spite of all us checking ourselves out and <laughs> do I have to say, oh, that all I got to do is go take that, that test and I'll know. You better know by faith. You get in doubt, you'll get what your doubt dictates. You got me? But that's Psalm 91 coming to pass. Sometimes we don't even have sense enough to figure it out. We just walk on with our health and that's fine. But sometimes you need to jack yourself up and say, God, how is this happening in my life? How is it I read on television all these people are dying of this disease and my body it was never touched. My body was never touched by it. Do you understand me? Or sometimes we get a positive in symptoms, but we're healed anyway. We got to trust God's righteousness working in us, folks. You know, this is how people get, get lured into sin once they're saved and they've done miracles for God. God's used them in all kinds of things. They, they, start distrusting righteousness they start questioning i think about this maybe that's what i want to do you can't live like that you you've got to live in the the same realm that god lives in as much as is possible amen you you can't meditate on negative things or unrighteous things because the enemy will get you ensnared by them and so instead of thinking like that, think about all the, the treasure that God's put inside of you. Think about all the possibilities that you have in God because of his righteousness living in you. See, what makes your life work right is not favor, not blessing, not your confession, not it's righteousness. See, it's your right standing with God that makes your life work right. And most people don't really explore righteousness enough to know what they've got. You got me? It's just not a habit that we have. I can tell you about the people, Christians on social media, trying to get people to, to pump them up. They'll put a picture on there of themselves and the same people say, you look wonderful, you look gorgeous. They probably copy and paste. We're living off external encouragement instead of living out of righteousness. Come on, folks. When you start doing selfies, that already tells you what that's about. That's unrighteousness. See, we've fallen down 
on who we think we are and who we know we are, and we got to have a fix. Amen. Before social media, we couldn't get a fix so quick, quick as we can now. You got me? Now we can get a quick fix on everything. Instead of exploring righteousness and knowing who we are. Remember that teaching who you are in Christ? We copied that and we almost memorized the whole list and we still live out of selfies and likes. You got me? Or external encouragement instead of exploring the treasure that's in this earthen vessel. You say that to people and they can quote it, but they never let their minds go to God. What's my treasure? What's, I know about the earthen vessel, (laughs) you know. I know my limitations, I know my faults, I know my downfalls, I know my fears. But what's the treasure? What's in me that's valuable? And am I supposed to know about it? Sometimes we don't even want to explore what God means by that. Number one, we don't believe it enough. And number two, we're scared of what he's going to tell us about us. Amen? We don't want to go there. We want to live out of what we we think motivates us to get up every day, you see. And so we sometimes don't really explore what God means by that so that we can um, have joy just in what God gives us, just in what we know about us, just and have the right expectation of our lives and expectation of good to come that comes from righteousness when you when you can explore what god has put inside of you in with him guiding you and helping you to understand those things you won't have a lonely day you won't have a down day you won't have a discouraged day you won't be on social media looking for external encouragement gratification Somebody to pep you up and talk you up or give you something exciting to do because your life's so boring. You know, I look at our young people and I say to myself, God, if you could just give them one day of a glimpse of what's inside of them already that you are developing and you will develop more if they could become more aware of it. If you could give us all a glimpse of that. We wouldn't have a lonely day. You wouldn't have a down day. You wouldn't have a discouraged day. You wouldn't have a day of compromise where you're trying to go to the world and get happy. That stuff would be canceled henceforth and forever. See that who you are in Christ is personal. God, show me what's in me. And show me how to, how you're developing that and it can be extracted so that my life would be full. See, you got enough stuff inside of you to keep you happy and fulfilled for three lifetimes. But we seldom explore it. Why? Because we, our carnal mind is trained to cancel it out. The minute you go into the word and you start seeing things, God told Abraham, I have given you, you're the heir of the world. Most Christians don't, that don't compute with us. 
Because we think to ourselves, well, that was him. You know, maybe. No, no, we are his heirs. We are joint heirs with him. We are joint heirs of his righteousness. See, we look at the fact that he and, and Sarah believe for a baby. And you know, you know what most people who are, 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 are beyond childbearing age say when they see that, huh, that's okay for them. Oh, wait, better not come to my house. If I'm lying, I'm flying across the room. Huh? And see, just like you shut the door to that, think about it. How many other good things God's promised you as heirs of Abraham are you shutting the door to? Your mind shutting the door to a lot of your inheritance because we don't want to believe for that. You need to believe for that and some more. Yeah, God, I got that. And when that comes up in my life, I'm ready for it. Show me what's right now, here, right, right now, right here, right now, right, 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 right here, right now, right now. Huh? So you can't shut your mind off of half the covenant and then have it. You say the Chinese menu. You get two columns, one from column A, one from column B, and then total it up and take it on. It ain't your choice. You wouldn't know what to choose anyway, because you don't know enough about what you got in you. We don't know the treasure that's in the earthen vessel. We have most of it, and those of us who are exploring it, most of us explore it out of need and necessity. Then when the need's over, we quit the exploration. That's why God can only get next to us when we got another need. Because we quit exploring what he has. See, you get a guided tour. When you go on the word, you can get a guided tour every day of who you are on the inside. What you, what God's made available to you. What you're to use so that you can live and be prosperous. You can get a guided tour. You get in that word, you can get a guided tour of who you are on the inside. But most of us go in there because I got to do my 10 minutes today. Got to do my, I got to find a scripture. I have a scripture today. Got to get my scripture. Get your scripture and run. Check yourself off for the day. Huh? When God wants to show you something. He wants to show you, you know, the reason you get into fear and worry every time something money-wise comes up. Let me show you what that's about. And let me show you what I've given you to fix that. To counteract that. I want you to be peaceful when the subject of money comes up. I don't want you to be nervous all the time. My kids are not nervous about money. And let me show you why it's true for you. He wants to show you what you got on the inside of you to fight the fear of lack. And fight fear of man. And fight fear of failure. And fight all of that stuff. You could be entertained all day long. By the treasure that God has put on the inside of you. If you know how to explore it. You know how to get in there with the word and get understanding of, of what God has put on the inside of you. You, when you go to the word, what things quicken to you? What things stand out to you? What things, you know, most men, when they see what Abraham did, they just shy away, scared. Man, look at all that. I mean, if you really look at it. But Abraham had not enough. Most men are concerned about taking care of that family. Why? Because God puts you in charge of them. Amen? 
Them little when you when you go to the work, you you stay at that work eight hours and you finish your your shift because you, all day long them little faces start coming up. You peat, repeat, three peat, four peat, five peat, up to ten peat. All them little faces look at you all day long, and they're dependent on dad to bring home the goods. Amen. And so God has put inside of dad the means to do that. But most dads never find it. A lot of them spend their time dodging the the, uh, courts. Hoping they don't find that last DNA test they took to add to their child support list. Well, that'll keep you from exploring anything good on the inside of you because you're in trouble already. You understand me? And this is what hinders many of us in our success and our prosperity and all of that is because we feel like it won't work for us because our need is too great. We're already in debt. We're already in trouble. What can you give me, God, as a quick fix to get me out of this? But then he has another plan to to help you to not get there anymore. He does it with everything else. If, if coveting and, 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 you know, cheating on your wife or something like that has been your problem, God gives you a plan not to do that no more. And if it's the same thing with finances, if you're in lack a lot, he's got a plan there waiting for you not to get there anymore. But see, we never explore it because we're too emergency. We're too 911 oriented, you know? Instead of dialing 911 all the time, and that's all that's in your speed dial in your prayer, why don't you just dial O and let the representative talk to you and tell you what he has for you. Amen? Just dial any random number and let God begin to speak to you from his word and let you help explore the the potential that he has for you. See, understanding truth will give you a satisfaction that that temporary lack will never take the place of. You know, there are times when if you never walk in everything that God has on the inside of you, the fact that you know you have it as potential gives you a completeness and a contentment. I see young people, they don't like being single. They wish they was married. Then they get married. They don't like that. This the human, that's the human condition. If they would take a little bit of time to stand in God's righteousness and explore, let God show them what's on the inside of them that he's put in there to benefit them, to help them. To cause them to stand in this earth in the blessings that he promised Abraham. Abraham, there was nothing that man could not have. And he knew it. He knew it. He knew every time he put his foot somewhere, God gave that land to him. Every time. He knew every time when, when God would, would cause his, his cattle to increase, he had to go get more land. This man prospered. He grew everything. How did he know that? He believed God. See? Just one simple act. He believed God and counted it as righteousness. And that's what we have to determine to do. 
God, I believe you for every good thing that you have for me. I believe you for every good thing that I have, you have for my children and my grandchildren. I believe you and I'm asking you right now, start talking to my kids, start telling them what's in them, start drawing them to you. Give me a scripture I can drop on them every day to make them go into that word, even if I don't. And I repent. But I'm not going to let that pass on. If I'm slow to move, I want them to be faster to move. See? And I want you to stop, start dropping it on them. What's in them and let them, let them be entertained by them. And that's not pride. And that's not vanity. But if you look at, look at Joseph. He dreamed a dream. That dream consumed his life. When he was a small boy, he knew what treasure was in his earthen vessel, even though he was a cut up and a brat and all his brothers hated him. He didn't have a a lot of smarts. You know, usually somebody getting ready to jump you, you get a a bad feeling on this and you run. You know, he didn't have that much sense. Why? He was so consumed with his dream. He was consumed with God, what God was telling him, what God's got in. Look, God, you put this dream inside of me. Wow. I got to feed that. Wow. And he constantly meditated on. Same thing with Abraham and Sarah. When God told them they were going to have a child, they thought about it, tried to work it out themselves, thought about it again, tried, and then finally they just paid attention. God, you're going to do this. I believe you're going to do it. And they started to dream about a nursery. Dream about them. Sarah dreamed about labor. You know, dreamed about getting big all of a sudden. All of that took the place of how can we do this on our own without God? When's it going to come? Listen, dreaming in what God has given you will take the place of wondering when it's going to happen. Because with your meditation will come the timetable of when. When won't be a mystery anymore. In fact, when won't even be in the question. Because you'll be in there taking notes on what to do next when it comes. You got me? And and this is how we are consumed with who we are, with our treasure on inside. We haven't most people haven't tapped into most of it. And God's trying to get us to be aware of it more and more, I believe, because time's growing short. If we're not going to check in and find out who we are now, when are we going to do it? And so I, I think this is, this is what got them over. This is what, this is what righteousness is, is taking on the thoughts of God and taking on God's attitude about us. Taking on God's thoughts toward us. If your thought is that, that God might not do it because you need to think again. Cause if he's promised you something, he's going to do it. He's just waiting for you to really believe him and quit doubting and quit wondering how it's going to happen. Just focus on believing him and, and, and exploring the treasure that's in your earthen vessel. Amen. So Abraham, we said Abraham was before the law. Don't let the law trip you up. Don't let it be a stumbling block for you. Get that out of the way. God, there's no reason why I can't have this. You promised it to me. 
I know I mess up, but that ain't an issue with you anymore because your blood paid for my righteousness. And I consider myself in the game, in the hunt. Tell me more about what you're telling me now. See, we get one promise and try to run off with it and make it happen ourselves. It's not how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live, what does the Bible says, not by bread alone, but every word. You need more word to go with the little words you got. See, that's where the, the problem continues to be. We don't follow up sometimes with God on what he's given us thus far. Amen. So, so we have the same standing with God as new covenant believers as Abraham had with God. That's why, let me go to Romans, Romans four. See, this is why when in the epistles, they skip over the law when they talk about our inheritance. Romans. I hope I'm explaining this right. I just want to, you know, you, you just, there's some keys to, to this kind of godly success. There's some things that open doors for us and, and we gotta, we gotta find those folks. They're, they're all over the word. We gotta find them. So in Romans 4, 3, for what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. In other words, his failures are not a consideration anymore. His weaknesses aren't a consideration. God says, I'll fix your weaknesses. What else you got? Well, God, I messed up over. I'll fix that. What else you got? Well, God, I got to fix that. What else you got? See, when you run out of your personal liabilities, God begins to show nothing but your assets. So we should be more asset conscious about our lives than we are more Detriment conscience. You should be more focused on what you have going for you than what you have against you. Because whatever it is that you think is against you, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross took care of that. That's not an issue to God anymore. It's not an issue to keep you out of anything. Amen? Because it's being taken care of. So he says here, now to him, it's counted to him as righteousness. Now to him that works is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. We know that if you try to work the law, you'll never be justified. Amen. So that's why in the epistles, they skip over the law of Moses. Because the curse has been broken. And now God writes his law in your heart. See, what you're responsible for, God puts on the inside of you. As you read his word and as you absorb what you read, God begins to speak to you as to what he wants you to do and what you're responsible for. That's why I can't tell, come to you and tell you, girl, you need to be doing better than that by now. You've been saved. I, you can't can tell you that. I don't know what he wrote in your heart to do. Best thing I can do is go take care of my little beeswax and make sure I'm doing it. See? This is a selfish covenant. It's focused on you, perfecting you, helping you, giving you what to do to please God, not you for somebody else. Now, there are some exceptions. You know, ministers, your pastors, they can speak into your life. But we got to be careful with that. You know, we got to make sure we're speaking to you the word. 
you know, and I've learned how people come to you when they need something pretty much, you know, unless for, for what I do, I'm a prophet. I have to speak sometimes just by unction, but I asked God to open a door. I said, God, just give me the right unction to talk to some, somebody, you know, when, when I need to do that. And it's not always unpleasant. You know what I'm saying? It's you help people when you give them God's word. I don't care if they like it or not. Amen. I don't like it sometimes myself, but I got to live by it, even if it nails me to the tree. Amen. So in and so David, he said, also described the blessedness of the man to whom God does not impute righteousness without works. Even David had an inkling. He lived under the law. Amen. So people long for the the time that we're living in where we don't have to worry about sin keeping us away from anything because it's been eternally dealt with so that we can grow in righteousness and grow in a knowledge of God and what he has done for us. What is the blessing of Abraham that God has imputed to my life? What is it, God, that you put inside of me that helps me every day? What is it that you put inside of me that you put in there to make a living for me? God says that our gifts will make room for us and put us in in the presence of kings and important people, people who have power, people who have, have resources, people who can do things for us. Amen? Just your gift. Why aren't we more focused on what gift we have? Your gift is not necessarily your two hands, but that's part of it. Your gift is what directs your two hands to do what they do. You got me? So why aren't we more focused on God? Tell me more about me on the inside of me. Huh? It's true. We all suffer from that. I'm not talking to y'all. I'm talking to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? We all suffer the same weaknesses of not letting God get through to us and strengthen us on the inside. This this isn't prideful. This isn't you trying to pump yourself up. I don't know about you, but I need pumping up every day. I mean, it's, hey, come on now, because the world is so quick to want to tear you down. So you need someone on the inside of you to keep you in pumped up and inflated so when they put that arrow in you y'all your air don't come out of you you got me because evil is waiting it's lurking every every turn to, to trip you up and keep you messed up amen but but what do we need to to renew our minds to we need to think about talk about and understand about what god has put inside of us amen this is this is what the word is really is for to do for us because Abraham allowed God to speak all of that inheritance into him. When he stopped trying to fix it himself and he quit wondering when he was going to have a son and wondering when God was going to, he quit wondering and he started letting God talk to him more and guide him. See, these instances we see of God talking to him, that was just once or twice. You know, or how many times are in the Bible. He talked to God all the time. Every time he looked up at the stars, he talked to God. Every time he looked down at the sand and the sea, he talked to God. So he could do that all day long, all night long, meditating day and night. That's what God's talking about there. 
And see, if we're going to receive the blessings of Abraham, that meditation has to go on in us day and night. See, this is how your young adult children don't wander around looking for free sex. You understand what I'm saying? When they get away from mom and daddy, and you wondering all night long what they're doing. Come on now. See, they get so occupied with what's in. They have such a richness inside of them to explore. They stay busy thinking about what God's going to do with them and what he's put inside of them and how they're going to get it out so he could use it. They too busy with righteous thinking to even think about worldly nonsense, waste your time stuff. If you see your kids daydreaming too much, being lonely, all that, God, fill them with what you got. Show them what's inside, God. Let them explore what's inside of them. Give them a righteous mindset where they don't think that's not for them or they think it's wrong to think that way. See, many times we've explored the the treasure that's in us and let the devil talk us out of it. It's wrong to think like that all day long. Why? God gave it to you. That's what the, the righteous did back in the day. Daniel did it. He was so eager to, to explore what was in him. He stopped what he was doing and told his the people that he worked for. They were heathen people and they were his bosses. He said, no, nah, I got to have a prayer break. I pray three times a day in front of my window. If you need me, you call me after I'm done praying. But I got to check in with the master to see what I got on the inside of me. What's he got for me? That's only mine. You send that prayer up to heaven and say, God, get this kid of mine out of distraction. Get him out of wondering and wandering and wishing he was someplace else and wishing he had this and stop it. Start exploring what he's got. God, show him how to find out what you've got inside of him for him already that's there. And that'll be his righteousness. They'll hold on to that. They'll believe in it. They'll get up and start doing it and acting it out. They'll start understanding more and more what's in it. You know, many times they'll start out good and and start exploring some things and having some success. God, don't let them get distracted. Let them stay with it. I see them posting goofy stuff, bragging on what they do and make them stop, God. Make them stop. Let them take it within and take it to the closet again. See, that's where it was birthed in the closet. That's where it needs to stay. You see too many that have too little bragging too much on what they don't have. See, that they put it out there where the devil can steal it. Why? They Now they've gotten insecure about it. And they need other people to tell them how wonderful they are just to keep them going. It's their flesh. You see that flesh manifest? You say, mm, no, God, they, they don't need that. Now let them get back to the closet where they can start drawing from that treasure that you put inside of them. That's righteousness. That's not wishful thinking. That's not bragging. That's not carnality. That's righteousness. In order for you to be successful, you got to know inside of you what's in you. You got to let God show you. And then you got to let him develop it. He'll start developing it. And you get bored, it hasn't come come forth fast enough. You try to invent something. 
Abraham did it. Isn't that how Ishmael got here? He got bored meditating on what God promised him. And he said, well, maybe I can do this. So that's how Ishmael got here. And so we have to know the difference. No, God, uh -uh, we're not producing Ishmael's around here. We want Isaac. We want the child of promise. We want something that's going to last from generation to generation to generation. Show me more, Lord, about what I have in me. So you can never learn that too much. You can't spend too much time understanding why God put you here and how he's gifted you and what he wants you to do with the gift that's in you. I ain't talking about your spouse. I'm talking about you. We spend too much time with what he going to do or what she going to do. Ain't your business. You got me? Focus on what God's put in you to cause you to go forward in the earth. Amen? He's waiting on us to manifest. Isn't that what the word says? Creation's groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, we've manifested a little bit, but we need to manifest more. We need to go home and get something to go with that. A little bit. You know, it's like, you know, you think think to yourself, uh, you know, you get these cravings. Ooh, Lord, I sure do want some turkey wings with neck bones. You finally get them and you cook them. And you look and say, well, that's all I got. I didn't even think of no go with no sides to go with them neck bones. You see what I'm saying? See, you can't live off the, the main meat all the time. You got to have some sides to go with that, see, because pretty soon you're going to gorge yourself on the main course and you won't have anything to supplement and shore it up and help it. And see, God wants us to have all of that so we can endure, so we can last, so we can. You know, Paul wasn't big in the church for offerings. Are you kidding me? He said, I don't need your money. You need to give to me. <laughs> so you can have something on your account. Don't get it twisted. What did he do? He made tents all the time. He worked, he said, these hands have worked willingly so that I didn't have to rob churches. He called it robbery when the, the father took from the Jesus. It, it's for the parents to lay up for the children, not vice versa. He considered it robbery if he took from them. Why? He had already had Amanda. He, he had, he knew what was in him. See, he had fully explored all that was in him. And he didn't let them, uh, prosperity guys talk him out of it. Amen. It's like, uh, oh no, you still working a secular job? Man, you need to come out of that. Them people supposed to take care of you. Paul said, who you talking to? He said, I don't confer, number one, I confer not with flesh and blood, Gina. He threw the shenane finger with the nail tip on it at in they nose. He said, when I started preaching, I didn't ask none of y'all what y'all thought about it. Why should I bring you in late in the game? You got me? So it's up to us to fully explore what, what we have this treasure in earthen vessel. Huh? What is it? We couldn't tell. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you caught me off guard. You caught me without an answer now, but it's going to change. 
I'm going to have a different thinking. I'm going to have a different answer about it. Amen. I'm going to be different next time you talk to me. You got me? And just let God help you to find out who you are. You go in the Bible. You look and see something. God, you talking to me? You know, <laughs> like go De Niro on your Bible. Talking to me? You talking to me? You know, even if you do it with an attitude that you don't think it's you. You can accept it. There are people that, that don't like to think about doing better in life. Because they're too defensive about where they are. You have to be defensive about where you are to explore doing better. Hey, if you can't do it yourself, at least you know about it. You can help somebody else. You can pray a prayer. See, I think about things like that. I say, well, Lord, if that's not for me personally, at least I can know about it so I can help somebody else with it. Because it's for somebody. It's coming to me to store up in me because it's for somebody. Somebody I might run into. Somebody I might have to pray for. Somebody. I need to know these things. Amen. There's some things you don't want to have to need that you see in the Bible. You know, it's, you know, where you see where God pulls somebody out of a den, had to sit, sit all night with Daniel, all that kind of stuff. You don't want to have to know about that personally, but just let me write that down, Lord, because I see right now it, the Lawrence is in my den all night long. They'll have to, you understand what I'm saying? I had, the last house I had, I didn't notice. I mean, I noticed, you know, you see bees flying around there everywhere, you know, in the country, they're everywhere. And, and so they were buzzing around a little place on my, I didn't know it, but they had bored a, and made a nest inside the drywall. Now they passed shingles, siding. They in drywall. They didn't penetrated 15 layers and, and I'm barely scratching the surface on my, who I am in Christ. You understand what I'm saying? And so I, I saw one in the, in my, the, my bedroom. That's where it was in the bedroom. Well, I had an adjacent, I had, had that one built on added. So I had my original bedroom I used for an office and I just was in there and in my office I saw a bee flitting around, and I said, now, how he get way in here? I thought he came in the back door. The, I said, that's a long way to travel just to get in here, but I didn't think anything of it. And I went in and went to bed and woke up in the morning to this loud buzz. I had slept all night with a swarm of bees over in the corner of my bedroom, and I'm in the bed. Don't tell me you won't have a Daniel experience. Now, God kept them just like he shut the mouths of the lions all night long on Daniel. He kept them bees from swarming over there where I was. They had freedom to go wherever they wanted and do whatever they wanted. You understand what I'm saying? You know, and then you think back and say, oh, Lord, what that perfume I wore, that should have got him. You understand what I'm saying? So there's a lot in the word we don't want to have to use or have to need. But thank God when you need it, it's there. Thank God when you, oh, Psalm 91, no pestilence. Well, the pestilence got in some kind of way. So that's why the Daniel story is there. 
<laughs> you know, when your Psalm 91 ain't really quite working the way you want to be working. You understand what I'm saying? When you see that, you double up. You say, where's that? Where's my bookmark? I know I had it on a bookmark somewhere. Where's that? Let me get that out of here. And you go to speaking it all of a sudden. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a, a primary and there's a secondary and it's all God. You got me? Your primary ain't working. He still got something that you can grab and he can give you. So there are things in the word that we skip over because we don't like the way they sound. We don't like to have to use that. Well, see, I live too close to God. I ain't going to need that. <laughs> closer, the closer, the more. Closer you get to God, the more you can see. You be sitting there taking a pencil screen. Now, now I know I had that. Where did I find it? Let me see. How did I look that up? Let me get <laughs> How did it go? Oh, yeah. You gonna use the, the, you gonna go, as they say, from, from contents to maps in your Bible. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Gonna need it all. But in, in, in understanding the treasure that you have inside of you, who you are in Christ, this is stuff that comes out of us because of the work of righteousness in us. Righteousness is obeying God, loving God, worshiping God, reading his word, meditating on, accepting his word as truth and not always pushing it out of your hearing. Because you got 15 demons that work in your head all day long to tell you that scripture ain't for you. And you can be reading it and then you try to get over it and come back and start reading it again. And get over and start come back and read it again. Now you ain't coming back all in times for nothing. You ain't pulling yourself back to that scripture. That's God drawing you to that. God, why are you drawing me to this? What is, what's in this for me? Learn how to live like, this is childlike faith. God, you're bringing this to me. What, what's in this for me? Tell me more about this. See, we don't want the childlike. We want the, uh, uh I got brother so-and-so's tape here. I'm going to listen to it. That's one of my favorites. Why? Because you can sit there and half listen to it and not get, you listen to it for the 50th time and still don't know what it's about. Amen? So we got to build that childlikeness in us again and come to God and say, God, what is in me that you put in me that's going to put me before kings? It's going to put me in a large room. That's going to make a living for me and my descendants. It's going to, you know, there's a treasure inside of all of us that will take care of us. I mean, like forever. We got to know how to bring that forth. How do we bring it forth? Through meditating on the word and quit letting your carnal man tell you that ain't for you. You know? You, you'll read something and it sounds good and then all of a sudden you, you'll start to think about it, you'll start to meditate on it, start to, to, to imagine yourself in it and all of a sudden that, that mind that you have, that righteous mind that's adding pieces to the puzzle stops. What stops it? Your carnal mind. He's there to rob from you, to steal from you. You, and when you know what you say, you know what, you're dead to me. 
carnal man, you're dead to me. I'm picking this up. If for no other reason, it sounds better than what you're trying to You don't give me anything. Everything good that I read in the word, you tell me it's not for me. You make me stop thinking about it. You make me put my mind on something else. I'm going to start meditating. I'm taking this one with me. And you're not going to rob me of this. This one's mine and I'm keeping it. If for no other reason, why can't we read and meditate on stuff that sounds good to us instead of stuff we think we're supposed to have? Start. Joseph did it. It got him in trouble. Some of your stuff going to get you in trouble too, but you won't be blessed of God behind your stuff. You'll be blessed of God behind what God gives you. If you let it continue to work in you, you let it continue to, to, um, grow. How does it grow? By feeding it more word. Just keep feeding it more word and feeding it more word and feeding it more word. And it will begin to grow. Amen. You need to know that in righteousness, the curse and penalty are paid for. Don't let your mind stop you and say, well, you can't do that because you can't do so-and-so and and you can't do such-and-such. You got me? This is an unstoppable covenant. If God promises you something, he'll take care. He takes care of ability. He takes care of knowledge. He takes care of understanding. He takes, this ain't about book learning. You know, most people that, well, I never was good with books, and you ain't good with books either. Now, you only need to be good with one book. Huh? You got 66 pages to entertain yourself with day in and day out. So you don't have to be real this or real that. God knows what he gave you, and he knows what he didn't give you. If you had had all that intelligence, you would have been with the, uh, the uppity kids in class. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have found you until you got real. So thank God for your limitations and made you cry out for more of him. And you don't need nothing now to please him. Just be you and go get in your word and find out what he has for you. He wants the excellency of the power that you move in to be of him and not you. That's why you don't got much. That's why you don't think you got much. You don't know you got anything until he shows it to you. That's the way we're supposed to live. Amen. God writes his law on our hearts. So we have an individual covenant like Abraham did. Abraham's covenant was before the law. You know what he did? He waited for every word God gave him to come to him first before he made a decision to do anything before he got a bright idea about anything he had to get a word from god that's what we need need to go to the word and find out what god you say you have treasure i have treasure we have this treasure what is this treasure i have treasure in me god i gotta believe i got a treasure number one you gotta believe you got something most of us look at that and say wonder what that is or don't wonder what it is and you think oh yeah i know what that is And never come up with an answer. See, we assume we know more of the word. Because that word's familiar to us. We think we know what God's talking about. And we skip over that. And then we wonder, well, I'm going to school for this. I'm going to school. We haven't been to school for so many different things. It shouldn't be that way if you're a believer. 
See, you should know how to start with God, go straight through. The minute we keep starting to quit and and keep starting over again is because we've never looked and found out what the treasure is. We keep trying stuff. And then your human effort and patience with it as a human being wears out. Why? Because you don't really know what's inside of you. There's something in you that God wants to get out and you keep working around it instead of, God, I don't deserve it. I don't know why you blessing me. <laughs> Just get it over with. Repent. Fall on your face. Admit, I don't know nothing about nothing, Lord, but yet I'm living life. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying and it ain't working. You know in your heart it's not working. God, show me what you have for me. Show me how I'm going to extract this. Show me. And you got to be persistent, folks. You got to know something's in there. You got to know that God's put something in you. And maybe you've scratched the surface on it and you're starting to understand it. Keep digging. There's more to it. Never be satisfied with the superficial answer you have right now. Don't be satisfied with how it's working right now. Amen. Henry Ford developed a motor company. He started out tinkering with motors. He never envisioned what that and still is, has grown to be through many generations. Why? He stuck with it. He knew, he sensed there was more there. He figured there was more there. This is what we need to be doing as righteous people. We got to figure there's more there. And that God has the answer. I'm not done with this yet. I've gone this far in it and I've been pretty successful, but I'm not done yet, God. There's more in me. Show me the more. Show me what else is in there. Show me how to prosper in this. Show me how to grow this. Show me how you're going to grow it. Show me my portion in it. Amen. So that I can prosper in this and I can be what you call me to be. Amen. We need to understand that God is constantly Mining out of us, out of this earthen vessel, the treasure that's there. It has to be mined. It has to be dug for. You dig in the word to find, you look in the mirror of the word and you find yourself and you say, God, that's me. That's how I think. That's how I feel. That's what I, I, yeah, go keep digging there. Don't just scratch the surface and get excited about, tell everybody, oh, I got a revelation from God. You won't believe this, blah, blah, blah. The devil will kill it the minute it comes out of your mouth. You'll find enough jealous saints to say it in front of. In fact, that's usually who you go to because them the ones you hang around with and want to impress. You got it? And they'll kill it before it even gets a chance to grow. You're disappointed because it never came to, to fruition in your life. God wants us to develop ourselves in these things. I'm telling you, I watch people. I watch all kinds of ages of people. And I see on social media, I see a lot of lonely people trying to perpetrate as people who are great. Because we've been talked about, we've been told greatness is in us. Oh, God's got great things for you. They never tell you how to get them out. I'm going to say it again. They never tell you how to get them out. They want you to look at them as the one who has all the greatness and admire them. But they can't tell you how it happened because most of them don't know. They don't pay enough attention to what God's doing to know how to get 
the good things out of us. I was, I was reading, uh, just listening to a testimony about somebody and I had read about them and then God just led me to, to go and read their story over again. I know many of you have heard years ago of May Lemke. She was a, um, a woman. She started out a middle-aged woman and, uh, she had a reputation for, uh, uh being a, a governess and a, um, caretaker for children. She had worked that, uh, she was from England originally. She was born during the first world war. So she was getting up in age and, uh, some, the foster people came to her and brought her a child and they told her, if you can take care of this child for us, we would appreciate it. We don't know any, we've heard about you. We know you're good at what you do. We can't think of anybody else. Could you please take him? He's only going to live a few days. And so they brought that child to her to die. But they didn't know who they were bringing this kid to. She was a godly woman. She knew God. Through prayer, she had to survive the First World War. The building she was in exploded. She caught fire, was burned over a large percentage of her body, survived without almost not a scar left on her. She talked to God constantly. She said, my gift is I bug God about everything. And she talked to God about this little baby. He wasn't even feeding, nursing, taking a bottle when she got him. God, how do I do this? What do I do, God? You gave me this baby so he can live. He's not going to die. He's going to live. You didn't give me anything to let it die. You gave it to me so it can live. You got me? And she kept digging within herself for the treasure. God, give me the next idea. She got the baby eating. She got him feeding. He didn't walk. He was blind. All of this stuff. And then one day he finally stood up at 10 years of age. He stood up and held on to the fence that she used to. She put his hands on that fence every day, hoping he would stand up. She would show him how to pull himself up. One day he finally stood up. When he stood up, she strapped him to her back. He's going to walk. I'll take the steps and let him drag behind me. You know, he walked. Then the day finally came, she said, God, he's got to know how to take care of himself. What's his gift? She didn't ask him, does he have a gift? You know, like some of us do, crazy and mealy-mouthed and scared. What's his gift, God? Give him a gift. He's got a gift. And God gave her the idea to go buy a piano. She put him in his bed, put the piano in his bedroom. She knew how to play a little bit. She would play and sing to him. And at 13, age 13, she heard the sound of music in the house one night. And she thought they'd left the television on. And she got up and went in his room, and he was sitting there playing the piano. Today, he still does concerts. People come from miles. They're sold out even before he announces he's got another one. People want to see the miracle of God. People weep in there. They cry. They thank God. They, they're inspired to get more from God. Why? She, treasure an earthen vessel. She believed in it. She knew God had, God, you didn't give me this baby to let him die. He's supposed to live. When he lived, he's got to walk. When he walked, he's got to talk. He sang before he talked. Then he finally talked. You got me? All of these things come through believing It's righteousness. She never said, God, there's sin in my life and there's sin in his life. We can't do this. 
We messed up too much. What did we do wrong? We can't do this. She didn't think like that. She got on her knees. She repented. If she made mistakes, God, you got to show me. There's some that she is right back to the drawing board every day. Show me what it is. He's got something and I know it because you got and you put it in him. You wouldn't shortchange anybody. Everybody's got something. See what I'm saying? See, righteousness pulls it out of us. Continual abiding in righteousness. Not taking that detour of what's taking so long and how'd I mess up and all that crazy stuff. God's not blessed when we think like that. And you're not either. See, we gotta put all of our, our confidence in the blood and the finished work in the righteousness that has worked in us and live like that. Quit living limited and carnal. No, bless your children. Start telling God, I don't want my kids daydreaming all day long and, and putting off getting married and putting off having a family. Putting, I want it now. Take, take control, Lord, of their thoughts. Let them get in the word more. Take that crap out of your ears with that Walkman or whatever you got, your phone, your iPhone, and start putting some tapes in there. Open your Bible up and find out who you are. The reason you're lonely is you don't know how to entertain yourself with your treasure. You understand? You can be, uh, you can all day long in your mind, you may not stroke a lick on a real guitar, but you're entertaining yourself with who you are. And you never get tired of God talking that way to you about your potential and what you can do. Amen. We've got to tap into this, folks. I mean, seriously. This is what it's all about. Who you are in Christ, we don't know yet, but we find it out. I bet I'm going to spend some time. Let me entertain myself with me, Lord. Amen. It's a problem with most young people. I'm over. I don't care. But, you know, we got to do what we got to do. You chop me up, put me in two pieces. I don't know. Put me in two coffins or whatever. Bury me twice. But we've got to do this, folks. We've got this is how you break their propensity to want to drink, to take drugs, to all of that. You can bind all you want to. But if you don't replace that with something in them, God, don't let them go to bed tonight without at least thinking about you. And thinking about what you have for them and their life possibilities in you. Don't let them go on wandering around, getting older and older every year. You know, I get married when I get one. It's you 55. When is that going to be? Do you understand me? Why? They don't know who they are. They haven't explored righteousness enough to have that open up to them. But trust me, when they do, they'll blossom. And it don't take long for them to find what God has for them. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you for blessing us, Lord, with you, with your righteousness that is not afraid to explore who we are in you. That's not afraid of the answers we'll find, which is not afraid of understanding the goodness that you put us in this earth to develop and to bring forth. So, Lord, we honor you. We bless you. We praise you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power would be of you and not of us. It's not of us. And this is why we can enjoy it. It's the gift of God to explore the treasure that you put in each and every one of us. And we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up for prayer and I'll pray for you.
praise God.